listen in the reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, uh. You're listening to Reset Race, you're now tuned in the Reset Race. Why? Put them back on the grill again, we grilling them. Put them back on the grill again, we grilling them. Put them back on the grill again, we grilling them. Back on the grill again, we grilling them. You're listening to Reset Race. Adults need reparations to make America great. You're tuned in the Reset Race, we no longer starving while others eat off our plates. No. You're listening to Reset Race, we focused on our justice claim, we know what is at stake, uh, you're tuned in to Reset Race, you'll find out we really done justice and really who we think, on the edge, go back to U.S. Southern plantations, Pennies, Jim Crow, and mass incarceration, redlining lynchings, we are old from this nation, not about justice if you ain't for reparations, MG the wise one, cousin mother intellectual, Samantha bringing fire, anti-black, we pressing you, no permanent friends and no permanent Enemies, the backbone of the country, the way you need our energy. I'm gonna see. Listening to Reset Race, you now tuned in the Reset Race. Uh, uh. You're listening to Reset Race, you now tuned in the Reset Race. Uh, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them, back on the grill again. We grilling them. You're listening to Reset Race. Adults need reparations to make America make great. America uh, great. You're tuned in to Reset Race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to Reset Race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. Uh, you're tuned in to Reset Race. You'll find out we really about justice and really who we think. So welcome to the Reset Race Negro meeting, which used to be a side thing and now it's a thang thang. So we are going to introduce our co-hosts for this particular show. And um, I hope you guys enjoy it because we're just going to talk about some things. And today's episode is actually going to be by special request, but I'll go through and let's go ahead. Scorpio, go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to the crew. You know, just let them, you know, give them your name, tell them where they can find you online. All right. My name is Scorpio. You can find me at high underscore define on Twitter, or you can find me on YouTube, Scorpio. But, you know, I put my links in some of my tweets because uh, I was reading from here to equality in the video. So if you find it on my Twitter, you can find my YouTube just like that. You know, I'm just here. And I think you know, I also the good, take that the, the, good ideas. I think I retweeted that on the Reset Race page, too. So they should be able to find you on the Reset from through the Reset Race Twitter page. I know that's right. All right, go ahead, Bantu. Um, my name is Rara from Bantu Otaku. You can call me Bantu or Rara. My name is Bantu Otaku across all platforms. And that's generally about it. That, that's pretty much everything. All righty, go ahead. Go ahead, Mud. Sorry. Yeah, they call me Mud. Um, you can find me on um, my social media, at of lineage. It's Twitter, Instagram, and Clubhouse. Um, Bitter Dose TV is still in the mix, and uh, that's about it. Let's get uh, started with the show. All hail King Killmonger. Ha. All hail King Killmonger. It's I, just I, the great and powerful. Um, don't follow me on social media, but if you can find me, we can have some arguments. <laughs> I'm not even mad at that, and uh. You know, I'm Sam, a.k.a. The Khaleesi, at me 17 trillion. I'm around. And uh, so today is by special request by Brian. 
he wanted us to talk about why we don't like the term POC and BIPOC. So I was like, well, let's go dig deep because I want to go way back. So, all righty then, let's get into this one. So where do we want to start with that one, Mud? Because I want to go way back because I want to actually talk about how race changes in this country because Latinos were white and now they're brown and they'll be white again. And I kind of, we got to talk about a lot of this. So like, where do we want to start? I mean, you want to start with how the Irish became white or? We can go back. Well, yeah, I mean. What y'all think? That, is that a good start place for y'all? It sounds good to me. I mean, That's any right. further back, we got to talk about how we're cast and, you know, we never was meant to be fully actualized citizens and how everyone else can't get citizenship from our fight. But, you know, I don't know if you want to go that far. <laughs> that might be a little too far. But let's start it with the Irish. Far, eh? get deep. Get deep, deep. We'll have that discussion later on once we get everybody caught up. <laughs> All right, who wants to go first? I got the gist of like how whiteness works is that, you know, long ago, Irish people came here and it was a scene as akin to the Anglo-Saxons and other Europeans that have like acclimated within the land and whatnot. So they was, they dealt with some discrimination and bias and whatnot. But as time goes by, they managed to assimilate into whiteness by, you know, undoing what is like, like what make them ethnic Irish people per se, even though they're still Irish because of the identity, right? But, you know, and they engaged in white supremacy. I know I'm butchering the explanation. I could do way better, but yeah, this right. is like my kind of. It's not. It's not butchering. It's just that it's a. It was a good overview. But to go even further, yeah. like there was actually a faction of Irish in Ireland that were abolitionists, and they were literally mm-hmm. chastising the American Irish for not being against slavery, <clears throat> even to the point where they were asking, like, how can you, how can you go from being oppressed and then go somewhere else and be the oppressor? <clears throat> So I think that we need to kind of, I think that part kind of stands out to me. Actually, you know, I think I have that part. I'm gonna pull that part up in the book. Y'all got anything while I pull that up? Cause I want to bring up that. I think it's actually even like a, um, there's a quote like at the beginning of the book. Ironically, that movie is called Space. <laughs> Hilarious. I can't. Only, only the people that saw the Dave Chappelle uh, special are gonna get that. Um, but I'm cutting it out anyways because people are already crying about that fucking shit. Okay. <laughs> I got time for that shit. But I mean, I think that I mean, first to have this discussion, like we have to understand that originally whiteness was an Anglo-Saxon concept, and that there were other ethnic um, Europeans that came to this country that weren't considered. Um, white or it equals to the Anglo-Saxons. Um, they faced so, or like forms of discrimination nowhere near what we faced. But um, essentially what this issue all boils down to is the fact that um, other groups are able to, to um, climb out of this, this bottom caste status or even if I wouldn't even say bottom caste, but climb out of their 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 place in the hierarchy of America and a lot of them have been able to do that by backstabbing black Americans but I'll go ahead and let Sam get get into it a little bit deeper well here's just this is that this is so funny this is like one of the first was this page number three and how the Irish became right 
The Irish who at home readily sympathize with the oppressed everywhere are instantly taught when they step upon our soil to hate and despise the Negro. Sir, the Irish American will one day find out his mistake. They never found out their mistake. <laughs> okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're just fine. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they know they never found out their mistake, but that just is the same thing that happens now, right? People will be like, well, they're oppressed in their own countries and they're going through all these things. And then those same groups will come here and be anti-Black. Like we need to have a conversation that just because you're oppressed doesn't automatically mean that you love Black people, especially not Black Americans that descend from chattel slavery. I agree with that. So and then there's the other element of it. Um, because they are oppressed in certain ways, all of a sudden that that oppression is equated to our oppression. Yes. And all the all the new nuance and details are thrown out the window because we're just going to go with this vague label of them being an oppressed or minority group. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what the POC problem is. Yes, that's a good place to start with it. I want so um so that gets into the whole people of color blindness thing, right? So the whole thing is, the whole thing is people try to make it seem like, because even now I have people be like, well, this country is not a black and white country anymore. There's people, no, 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 it's still a black and white country. It's just, do you fall into whiteness or not? Do you get those benefits and those privileges of whiteness, right? To me, like that narrative blends itself like dangerously to a lot of, you know, class reductionist narratives. Because I realized a lot of people who push that BIPOC narrative tend to only want to focus on class. And to focus on class, what they do is try to amalgamate everyone's in their like ethnic racial identity, you know, history of oppression with this country as if it's on the same playing field. And that playing field is of blackness oppression. But in the same respect, they don't give us the due due response to our own oppression. No, sorry. It just started playing right away. Keep going. Forgive me. But yeah, I feel like they don't give us like our due respect for the oppression that we endure. So I think I forgot what book I, f- I forgot what I was reading recently that talks about how, you know, movements will literally use blackness like movements will literally use, you know, Toni Morrison's work to reference, you know, issues of oppression in the society that we live in while not hiring for black women or give, lending their platform to black women voices. So we live in this like world where like we're literally the aesthetics and you know our words it's inspirational to a lot but a lot don't support us to help us out and it kind of like it's weird how this like very class reductionist like mindset has been taken root through the color but like to me it's no different than like you know the neoliberals you know saying they don't see color. It's like y'all y'all are y'all are dismissing literal history y'all dismissing literal like passes because everyone's not Mm -hmm. the same in america like no two no two negroes is the same like no two you know latinos are the same like no two different white people are the same like some people have been here longer than others and other people just got here maybe two three generations ago you know what i mean and they're living a little bit more adjusted than the people who've been in the Appalachian mountains for x amount of generations you know what i mean so like it's to me, it's disproportionate to say like we're all the same. I mean, but, it's it's it, it's kind of like the POC is kind of like a dog whistle. I mean, and it's yeah, it's in the same way. It's 
it's accepting the conclusion of colorblindness without acknowledging that that's the the tool that you're using to get to that point. So it's it's kind of like how you know that Lee Atwater thing where he says, and I, I forget like the '50s, you couldn't say nigga, 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 and now what you say is bussing. You say you know you talk about right. economics, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and you have the same conclusion that you know black people are hurt. You start out in 1954 by saying nigger, nigger, nigger. By 1968, you can't say nigger, that hurts your backfire. So you say stuff like uh, forced busing, states' rights, and all that stuff. And you're getting so abstract now, you're talking about cutting taxes and all of these things you're talking about are totally economic things. And the byproduct of them is blacks get hurt worse than whites. And subconsciously, maybe that is part of it. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that if it is getting that abstract and that coded, uh, that, that, we're, that we're doing away with the racial problem one way or the other. Uh, you follow me? Because obviously sitting around saying uh, we want to cut taxes, we want to cut this, and we want is much more abstract than, than even the busing thing. Uh, and a hell of a lot more abstract than never knew, you know. So I, any way you look at it, race is coming on the back burner. Or in, in this case, you don't say that you're colorblind. You say that, you know, these people are POCs. And that way you don't actually have to deal with the issue of Black Americans. Preaching. It's a way to, to obfuscate it, you know, trying to make it seem like you're an ally to Black Americans in the country. You can just go up on the podium and just say, oh, we're going to help out people of color. It's so vague, but you know what they're doing. You know that they are uh, they're trying to play you for a fool mm -hmm. and and when we hear people of color or bipoc the first thing as as black people we're turned off because we know you all ain't talking to us and i just want to this is a little off but it's on point so yesterday when we were um we were i was playing the video and then in the chat somebody started talking about like how our rights are violated here in this country and somebody was like oh well and they brought up the kidnapping sites that we were just talking about last Sunday from Chicago which is actually on an episode that y'all can go back and find and he was just like oh well if they did that they would be able to sue and that doesn't happen in America and and I was just like excuse me black Americans live in a different country than white Americans and non-white Americans, because okay. non-white Americans like to equate their lives to black Americans and they are not equivalent. You guys do not experience the same things that we're experiencing. You guys are not experiencing a genocide in this country. So you cannot compare yourselves to us. You cannot compare yourselves to our past. You cannot compare yourselves to our present. Show me how many Latino people have been murdered in the street by cops. Show me how many Asian people have been murdered in the street by cops. The only people who can really complain are white people on the cop shootings. And that's because there's so many white people. Like, but where are all these POCs that are just dying at these high outrageous numbers? Where are all the, where are all the people of color being disappeared? It's not, Sam, not, not to cut you off, but I mean, from the other end of that is like, why aren't we having a discussion about how many POCs are behind the gun doing these police shootings? That's for some true, reason, for some Asian. reason, only yeah, and and Asian. For some reason, we only want to talk about the police shootings as if it's like some form of, you know, 
whiteness. Like it's white people doing it when in actuality, when actually in actuality, it's like a whole host of different people <laughs> that are involved in, in our murders. And they do, like no one is calling them to question. No one is asking the Latino community, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. No one's asking the Asian community, why is this happening? Well, we're the, we we are the we're the only ones who are like we're the only ones right who are allowed we're the only ones who are not allowed to have agency right so it's just like if black people are cops we talk about how they're terrible right if black people want to o- open a business oh my god you want to be a capitalist but Asians get to be capitalists Native Americans get to be capitalists. Like everybody else is allowed to support their families and eat, but black people are supposed to live in a country that doesn't exist right now. Before y'all change this country to a country that doesn't exist right now. I don't understand it. It's just, I was explaining this to Mud last night and I'm not gonna get super deep into it, but I'm tired of people wanting black people to fight with one. Y'all want us to go into a MMA fight with one arm tied behind our back. Like, I don't understand this. Everybody else is allowed to fight and to fight and actually stand up for themselves, stand up for their group and fight for resources for their community, except for black people. We're supposed to just sit back and ask for nothing and be like, oh, well, we're all people of color. Let's just all come together. But y'all aren't fighting for my community. Not to interrupt you, but you know what I think some of this kind of involves? I think it comes from them romanticizing like our political ancestors, those who fought before and what they advocate for. So through them romanticizing those like those theories and those thoughts for those eras, whether it's the 70s or you know any other political era or group of activists, by them romanticizing those people, they assume that everyone else is subscribing to the letter of the word, the same theories that you know other black revolutionaries and pro-black political people than advocated for. And I think that's a lot of people's problems. So when they hear a black American, it's like, well, I'm gonna focus on black Americans. I wanna look to the bottom. I wanna focus on redress, which is reparations. And it's not a cash check that we're gonna get a cash check. It, it shocks them. Cause it's like, wait a minute, what? So it's not about POCs. It's not about all of us together. And then they look at you almost as if they're entitled to hear you give rhetoric to that and in a lot of cases us as black americans we're like well that's not our place to speak on x group or x people even if i am reading about them even if i am concerned with these groups i will support their movement but to make their movement like to put their politics on my shoulders is something i can't do i can only do that for my own people and i think a lot of people don't recognize that evolution of black american politics that we're tired of quote unquote having to carry everyone on our backs after the fact we done built this country and fought for the majority of these motherfucking people to get here in the first place. You know what I mean? And it's like, they don't, they know, it's like you said, no one expects that of them, but they expect that as, of us. And it's like, it's like, it's something that Seren talks about, about muling. Like to be like, I think there's a saying that was going around for um, some people in the activist space that I'm not your mule. Like it's, it's basically that like people want us to be their, their, their mule. They're political mules and whatnot for them. Yeah, everybody piggybacks off our struggles and then they get stuff for themselves and then they tell us we can't get nothing. Okay. Because it's always when we y'all start harassing their people about their money that they get. Because y'all harassing us about money we ain't even got yet. Go ahead. Every every person who lives here, with the exception of black Americans, came here to be a capitalist, including refugees. 
You, you came that's, to a capitalist country. That's how this place works. You can't opt out of that. So you can't tell the people who've been here the entire time, they don't get to be capitalists. When it comes to our issues and um, the POC issues, it seems as though the only ones that they find relevant are the ones that affect, impact them. And it's like, once things don't impact the people of color, when, when it's black specific, nobody wants to talk about it. It's really, really frustrating. And it's like, well, you can only talk about the things that, that uh, apply to everyone. And it's like, um, well, to quote Brother Malcolm on this one, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. So if you Plymouth Rock, we don't have the same issues. That goes for everybody, no matter what you look like, including if you look like me. Why do Black Americans have to, you know, be in solidarity with everyone, but not everyone has to be in solidarity with Black Americans? That, that's the question I always ask myself, because it's, it's never fair that, like, uh, people can come and then never actually try to work together with the people who they claim they support. Um, but, you know, as, they, as they're silent throughout all the issues, and Black Americans don't demand other groups necessarily to do anything, they, they just be like, we're going to do our thing. But then when something happens to that group, they'd be like, where the, where the black people at? Where the black people at? I thought y'all cared about this. And you're just like, well, wait, I'm like, hold up, sir. Hold up. You got too much dip on your chip now. Like when, when we was getting shot on the street, I didn't see you out there. When uh, we, we was going through this, I didn't see you out there. You know, you're, you've been silent and everything. But then what I see a lot is uh, some black people going on and trying to play PR for those uh, for those non-black people and basically say, well, no, guys, I, I have to understand. We've been working together. I'm like, I ask people that, but I live in the black community. And I always ask myself, I see all these stories from non-white people, but they're, they aren't black. And, and I say like, where is the, where's the black people in that? Where's the black people getting benefits from that? Because I don't see it. So why are you trying to force onto black Americans this alliance that doesn't exist right now? Hold on, and just so people can have information, Scorpio is a first gen, so Scorpio happens to be an accomplice. So this is coming from somebody who can speak for himself as a person. So I, I need people to understand that. So, And my homegirl who's Ghanaian-American, who's first generation, feels the same way. So there are plenty of people out here who are Black people who still stand with us and understand that we have a debt that's owed, that's specifically for us. It's not a big deal. It's only a few people who have an issue with it. And I just want to say this, uh, to Scorpio's point, I just want to like be very, very clear because there are going to be people that say, we showed up for the BLM march and yada, yada, yada. All that shit is symbolic. When it's time to really get some shit done, like get policy enacted, all these other groups know how to do that. But when it comes to us, if, when they talk about helping us, for some reason, they just forget that that's a part of the game. They think if they buy a, a T-shirt, if they show up to a march. And give a couple of dollars to an organization that has yes. not talked about what they're going to do with that money or what they've done with any money. Exactly. We, what we get from a lot of people that claim to be our allies is a lot of symbolism but they don't show up when it's necessary, when it's time to actually get policy done. No, that's true. Like my question is, okay, you marshal BLM, did you call your congressman and senator and talk mm -hmm. to them about the reparations bills that were mm -hmm. in the house and the Congress? 
Because what was the point of you marching if you didn't make a phone call? To get their steps in. Yeah, you know, exercise. He was tired of being in the house. They wanted to be seen. And that's they the thought it was a fun extracurricular activity after school. Yeah, and they they wanted to act like we were we were in a civil rights uh, movement without yep. actually doing anything to get us those rights. Because <laughs> so, I always ask people like after this, what's next? You know, until they do something for the people here, they have no right to complain. They have no right to say anything and demand anything of the people that they are not doing anything for. They they have no right to demand of that. That's disrespectful. You know, like every when black people, like especially black Americans, like the ADOS movements and everything, they do they get their things done. They they do what they have to do and they and they focus on that. They don't tell anyone else to do the work for them. They be like, we're gonna do the work ourselves, we're gonna get what we want, we're gonna get what's owed to us. And everyone else is out of that, they don't talk about it, they don't care about it. But then everyone just demands black people here fight for them and very disrespectful. It's very off-putting. And then they get what they want, and then they st- they're quiet. They don't talk anymore, and no one ever. Everyone just acts as if they are on like they're lower than black. At least black Americans here, because I keep hearing that black Americans are privileged. ones. like pri- privileged from what? What would they own? What do they have? Like, do I check the um income income brackets? So I'm looking at everybody like, you know, did y'all not uh, did y'all not check the the data like? this doesn't add up like the numbers ain't numbering for you man like you got to explain to me why these group of people that you're worried about seemingly are worse off than everyone else why is that you know black people have the highest unemployment rate right why do they have the highest unemployment rate why is that everyone else has a lower unemployment rate than black people how come when the um pandemic took off and people was getting like laid off that the un- unemployment rate skyrocketed, then and when people say we're back to normal, guess what normal was? Black people being, again, the highest unemployed group in America. Yeah, they need to explain all that. That's they need normal. to explain all that. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. It shouldn't make any sense to anybody who's listening. And that's why I think it's good that we're having these conversations because I'm going to hope a lot of people just don't know. I'm going to put it there because, you know, we talked to Patricia last week and we asked her something. She was like, no, I just didn't hear about it. Like when we were talking about the black site, she didn't hear about it. So, you know, we, you know, we got a lot. Of, there's a lot of, um, like I said, media, media is not our friend, right? Like media is not black people's friends. I like, fullheartedly yeah. agree. Like, period. like even the black people you see online very few of them there are a few and if if you know if you if you know one don't come at me because i'm not talking about them i'm not gonna list all of them neither because there's quite a few people who have been in this space for years talking about black issues doing black stories that's how i know some of this stuff but when i think about the mainstream youtubers I don't remember them covering any of this kind of stuff or talking about this kind of stuff. They're just trying to act like race doesn't matter. And they're just trying to lump black people in with people who got here yesterday and we don't have the same issues. And it's not fair to treat us like we do when we descend from the people who built this country. And we have been 
we have been tortured and abused by this country. We have suffered genocide after genocide after genocide in this country. And then you tell us to get over it and that we look at these other groups who have not experienced the genocide in this country, who have not experienced multiple genocides in this country, whose ancestors did not help build the foundation of the wealth in this country, which has made it where everybody has want to, where everybody wants to come here. Even where we knocked down the doors with the civil rights movement and they allowed all of these brown people to start coming in the country for them to tell us that we are not owed anything. So this and is my, no, go ahead. Now, I just wanted to add on <clears throat> that a lot of them are also able to become successful in this country because they benefit from things that were specifically for us, like affirmative action. So it's like, I mean, I mean, this is why we also need to have the conversation about the POC thing. Because what is happening is that um, we're being told by politicians they're going to create laws and policy for us. And then they, they put in, in, in the language of the law, minority, people of color, undeserved communities. And what happens is that the whole thing gets diluted because the thing that is supposed to be specifically for us is given to damn near everybody. The language is really the problem. Oh yeah, this is this is the original white supremacist tactic from the end yep. of slavery. Like, you're never allowed to target Black Americans specifically in this country when it comes to helping us. Like, even the end of slavery wasn't about Black Americans; it was about ending slavery in America. Like, that's why I like what Eva Carnell did in terms of saying it's about lineage. It's about, and many people are trying to create their own, like Black America, trying to make it clear that they are their own thing, so that when you're talking about them. They demand that you specifically say Black American or descendants of American chattel slavery, because that, to, that is actually a better way to make it clear who this is for. But when you don't say that, all of them know that you're not, you're, you're not really uh, trying to fight for the interest of those people. And you're giving so, them the opportunity to like dance around Black Americans. As long as you, you know, don't have, as long as you don't say it specifically, you can always, well, I did it for somebody. There was some people of color I helped out. Disproportionately, that's the word they love to use. But I, I want I want people to pay attention to like these politicians, especially Democrats. Look at how they talk when they're illustrating a problem. They'll say black. They'll they'll give you some stat and say that this is affecting black people. But when it's time to talk about the solution, it's people always people of color. It's always minority. It's this, it's this switch that I, like a lot of people, like they're not seeing it. Like they, they might hear it, but what they're hearing is black. And then when they hear people of color, they're assuming they mean black when they're saying that also. But it's a way to get out of actually doing something for black people. I don't think they're stupid. I think they're, they, they know what they're doing. I fully believe oh, that. No, we know that they know what they're doing. We're talking about, we don't know if the people who are listening are catching it. Because a yeah. lot of people, you'd be surprised how many people hit us up and are like, I used to listen to these people all the time. And now when I listen to them, it's different. Like once people start pointing out, once you start pointing out the BS, like people start to catch it. But so I have an idea. What do you guys think about? So I wanted to go through the clip, but what do you guys think about actually going through a little bit of a chunk of this video? But kind of pushing past we're getting where she's talking about the Asians, but really talk, going through where she starts talking about the people of color blindness stuff and the Baki case and how this all came about. Like, I think we should have a discussion about that. What do you think? Like, it might yeah. be interesting. 
we definitely need to talk about the Baki case and how that plays into all of this. Because, I mean, right now we're at a point where we essentially, we have to delineate. We can't just do something on Blackness because they, the Supreme Court made it illegal yeah. to do laws based on Blackness. Mm-hmm. Give me a second. With an unapologetic Asians first, actually Chinese first position, they scoff at the coalition building commitments embraced by Asian American activists for the past half century. It is the explosive convergence of this nascent Chinese immigrant nationalism with an older conservative white nationalism that is driving anti-affirmative action politics today. So what I want to do today is step back and trace the history of how the Harvard case came to be by looking at how Asian Americans have been figured and have figured themselves in Supreme Court jurisprudence on affirmative action in higher education from Baki to the present. And what I will argue is that the student for fair admissions argument in the Harvard case actually culminates a logic that was first laid out in the Baki case for over 40 years ago. A logic of minority equivalency that suggests that all racialized groups, non-white racialized groups, are comparably situated. A logic that despecifies the singularity of black abjection and disavows the foundational role that anti-blackness has played in structuring the US social order. This logic of minority equivalency builds upon the flattening, homogenizing aspects of third world narratives, but it also puts the solidaristic aspirations of third world narratives into crisis. As Asian American plaintiffs seek to achieve greater representation at elite universities while dismantling the programs that help other non-white groups in the admissions game. If we look back at the Baki case, 1978, with the benefit of hindsight, we can see the seeds of the Harvard case there waiting to grow. So let's start with the memorandum for Mr. Justice Powell, authored by Justice Powell's clerk, Bob Comfort. As you can see with my little hand-drawn red circle there, um, Powell wrote excellent memo at the top of uh, Comfort's uh, memo and affirmed his clerk's arguments in extensive handwritten margin notes throughout the document clearly indicating this memo closely shaped or reflected his views on the case. In this memo, Comfort notes that respondent, Baki, challenging the UC Davis Medical School's affirmative action program, argues that all racial classifications, even supposedly benign ones, must be treated as suspect and trigger strict scrutiny, lest courts be faced with the impossible task of adjudicating innumerable claims of group injury. Oh, I don't expect you to be able to read that. I just uh, wanted to show you the excellent memo part. Um, Okay, Comfort writes, most of the ethnic groups comprised by American society have faced, and to some extent still face, prejudice and hostility. Courts will be called upon to explain why classifications disadvantaging some groups will trigger strict scrutiny, and those dealing with others will not. I want to pause right there. So what we as American descendants of slavery are talking about is not us being disadvantaged because of um what did they use prejudice or hostility we are talking about rape murder pillage death am i wrong no you you said it you know yeah okay so so we need the courts back because this already is some bullshit 
talking about how will we measure it? How about we start measuring? Have they have they ever stolen your babies and taken them to other Native Americans can say that because they've actually experienced the genocide in this country. So Native Americans get to talk about having a genocide in this country and we do. But when did we when did we have a genocide for Asians? We did put them in internment camps and it was terrible and we gave them reparations. What's worse is that I think when they say how you measure, I hate that uh, response when people do because it's like, what do you mean? You can literally go back in history and look at all the atrocities and the damages and look at the uh, money that was lost and and the um and the people that lost their lives and the people that have suffered trauma. Like, how can how do you say how do you measure it? Like, you can look what happened. You can look at the ramifications of certain actions that happened throughout history. He might as well have said, what are we going to do? Break out the oppression Olympics? That's basically <laughs> what this is. And I'm sorry, y'all. I know y'all hate the oppression Olympics. You know why? Because like, because black people always win the gold. You cannot beat black Americans in America in the oppression Olympics. That's why y'all hate when we play it. I'm just saying the oh lack of effort God, to why try. do you have to pull the race card? You you know what's weird to me though that people will love intersectionality but hate the whole idea of oppression Olympics. But like not to say intersectionality naturally like you know is in support of that idea, but in a sense that's how definitely in America that's how things kind of are set up by white supremacy itself so like it's weird for you to assert that you are an intersectional person and not and have an analysis of how looking to the bottom works or how policy should be driven within this country to address the the peoples who need the most you know redress which is us as black americans there's a lot of things that we haven't been substantially given since the end of enslavement to like right, make us right, make us whole as like civilians in this nation. So this is why you hear like advocacy for so black sovereignty, even if it is the reactionary, you know, motherfuckers who, you know, claim to be sovereign citizens on American soils, despite being black Americans and all that, right? Like that's where all of this kind of conversation is bubbling from. So it's weird that people don't even like, to me, it's all anti-blackness. You know what I mean? It's just all anti-blackness. Or even worse, Bonto, when some people are like, uh, like a black man is a man and therefore they they are above like other groups of women, but that's not the case because Ooh, that's in America, it's white supremacy. Yeah, it's just really terrible. Like it doesn't make any sense. But like they want to you know, intersectionality, but it doesn't actually make sense when you break down how the system works. Imagine oppressing your slave owners. <laughs> no, because it doesn't make any sense. Like, well, how can you oppress? Like, uh, what? It actually was the what, Wilmington. It was either Wilmington, a Coe, or, or it was um, what was it was one. No, it was Wilmington. Yeah, where they uh basically with the fusion and the black male voters. And um, what the white men did is that they said that black men threatened the white womanhood of white women. And a white woman said, you know, if you have to lynch black men to protect us, lynch them. And that's what they said 100 years ago. It was a prospering African-American community in the largest city of the state. They had attained some success in the middle classes. There was a growing mercantile class. What happened was a number of blacks were able to transfer skills that they learned in slavery to private enterprise. On the plantation, they were blacksmiths, they were carpenters, they were teamsters. They had all these different skills that they learned in slavery, which 
uh, they weren't being compensated for. But now they were able to take those skills and transfer them into business, and that's what happened. That first generation out of slavery sort of bought the dream. They thought that they would get education, they would rise, they would be successful, and that that kind of performance would prove their manhood and womanhood. One successful Wilmington African-American was Alex Manley, publisher of the Wilmington Daily Record, the only black daily newspaper in North Carolina. He says his relationship with whites is good, and there's every reason to believe that. White merchants advertise extensively in the Daily Record, but he clearly sees the future place of black people as being fully quality. There's no question about that. And he's constantly encouraging them to become equals economically, politically, socially, culturally. There were many whites who were poverty-stricken, but there were many blacks who had very good-paying jobs. Of course, they had their carriages and their nice dress, and they would shop, and they felt as if they had come a long way, and they were beginning to feel themselves in a prideful sort of way, and I, I think to a degree in an arrogant sort of way. So there we had much tension created how dare you think that you are so much better than I am? It's partly economic competition, but it's also a, a, a grave concern that black people are beginning to feel the equals to white people. White people became quite alarmed because if they were going to subjugate black people, they had to prove that no black person was capable of the things that these people were doing. Blacks had attained a good deal of power in Wilmington in 1898. They were the majority of the population and of the voting population. Many of the blacks at that time held elected positions and very prominent municipal positions. They were appointed by the Republicans. Most of the Republicans at that time were black. Justices of the peace, aldermen, magistrates, firemen, public health workers, even though these might not appear to be very high prestige positions, at least they were examples to the black community and particularly to the youth of what black people could be. Whites were fearful that the African Americans would begin to control the city of Wilmington since they were in the majority. We had to look at two very basic issues. You have to look at politics and you have to look at economics. And whoever controls those two are in power. And it was all about power, about political power and economic power. In the statewide and local elections of 1898, the Democratic Party, the party of white supremacy, was determined to end black political power in North Carolina. It will be the meanest, vilest, dirtiest campaign since 1876. The slogan of the Democratic Party, from the mountains to the sea, will be but one word. Nigger. Daniel Shank. Democrat. They argue that only the Democrats can save North Carolina from what they call Negro rule. Fernifold Simmons, who would go on to be a United States Senator, Charles Aycock, who would go on to be governor of North Carolina, 
and Josephus Daniels, who was editor of the Raleigh News and Observer, the three of them got together in a hotel and hatched a campaign that would talk about white women being endangered by black men holding office. The white press portrayed blacks as monsters, representing them as an incubus, a mythical figure that raped women while they slept. White women appeared in parades, on floats, in white dresses, holding up signs saying, protect us. Manley's blood boils and he dashes off his own editorial that conservative black people in Wilmington considered to be a truth unwisely said. The crowning thing that hit the white psychic nerve center was the very last sentence of the editorial where he says, if white men continue to initiate sex with black women, sooner or later white women are going to start to do the very same thing with black men. And that was not the political thing to say. Uh, that just drove white men absolutely crazy. A former Confederate officer, Alfred Waddell, called for violence. We are resolved to change the conditions under which we live if we have to choke the Cape Fear River with carcasses. And I will look at a lot of white women and be like, how can you basically neglect it and omit that from history? How can you don't talk about that? You talk about intersectionality, but then y'all basically put yourselves, you know, below black men, which doesn't actually make sense historically speaking, because y'all have always been next to white men. Because after, after it's white men, it's y'all next. Y'all the next ones below them. Y'all white. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about y'all whiteness. Y'all benefit from this system. This system basically said that you were the idea of a woman. So, yeah, like, let's talk about that. Because why would black men, like, basically say they're ugly? Why would they call themselves ugly in America? Why would they make beauty standards that say they're ugly? Makes, makes no sense at all. I love us. I love how we can do, like, 20 minutes off 10 seconds. <laughs> Principal bases for such racial distinctions, says respondent uh, Baki, are hard to imagine. Presumably, courts would be required to establish rankings of the, those groups that have been most that have been harmed the most by exclusion from various institutions. Courts have done little of this sociometric analysis in the past. So, concurring with Baki, Comfort opines that the courts should decide matters on an individual basis rather than attempting to judge relative group suffering and desert. Sociometric analysis is beyond the court's purview because there is no principled way to make such distinctions, no objective way to ascertain who has been harmed, how much and by whom, and what is owed to them as a result. So courts should not be in the business of sociometry, except that, of course, they are. Comfort's refusal to offer a sociometry that is explicit and transparently argued simply results in his assuming by default a covert and unsubstantiated one. The judgment that there are too many comparably situated groups to adjudicate among is, after all, itself a sociometric observation. So Comfort uses a sociometric observation to argue that sociometry is impossible. In any case, his covert sociometry has a leveling, equivalencing thrust. There is no structural positionality, no foundational anti-blackness, only fluidity, variation, complexity. Society is a cacophony of comparably situated competing self-interested voices. So I just want people who are listening to this, especially because I know there's going to be some extra white people here because of the Steve Grumbine video. Like, yeah, this is how we feel when we listen to people talk about us. 
It reminds me when James Baldwin would talk about how if you could only hear the laughs from the people in Harlem, but we're just all <laughs> over the country. Oh man, it's like oh no, ma'am, oh no, ma'am. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna keep playing. What about the petitioner, UC Regents, suggestion that courts simply begin with the obvious thing? Blacks have been disadvantaged in US society. And then go from there, and maybe they'll add a few other groups along the way. So to that idea, Comfort responds, the prejudice faced by every distinct racial and ethnic group entering this country makes each a potential candidate for compensatory legislation. Consensus as to who needs it and who should bear the burden will be lacking. Witness the nearly 60 briefs filed in this case. The attempt to separate comp competing claims may well confound judicial ingenuity. Benign scrutiny could be reserved, of course, for a few groups said to be harmed more than most, blacks, Puerto Ricans, Indians, but it is not immediately clear how one draws a bright line between these group, those groups and, say, Jews or Orientals. Both of those groups faced almost hysterical prejudice for decades after first arrival in this country. So the good thing so, is we don't really have to go deep into that because we killed that in the um, Kenny Wu video. <laughs> like y'all could lightly dust over it, but we did like five hours on that, like <laughs> before. Oh yeah, Kenny Wu was like the perfect example of why people of color, the concept just doesn't work. You can't have like extremely people coming from other countries and coming here and claiming that we have the same experience because like my people have never been even kind of wealthy. Ever. And we have nowhere to go if this doesn't work out for us. But apparently y'all privileged because y'all live in America. Tell me, I know so many, I got so many friends who like, I got a homegirl who's like from Detroit. Like she was, you understand like the poverty, like, ugh. Whatever. I'm just like, y'all heard about it. Well, well, you know about it, sir. But I'm just, I, I mean, let me tell you, like, just being out there, you don't even understand until you until you've stayed there for an extended But you don't live in a third world country. Like, you I got iPhones. It feels like it, though, right? Like, when, when there's only, like, two houses, there's only, like, two houses that are actually, like, people living on the block. And, like, when you go certain places, you're like, hey, you got your gun on you. Because you know that you don't want to be out without somebody having a gun just in case. Like, no. People don't understand. Like, I'm tired of people telling me, well, it's so terrible in their country. You don't understand. It is really terrible in some places in this country, and you don't understand. That's exactly what I try to tell people. Like, I told them, like, up the street, you might see, like, these nice houses and stuff. Go down the street, man. Like, what is this? No funding, no prioritization, just neglect. And then for some there reason, was a, um, who was that on Twitter who reposted a picture of Camden, New Jersey? And it just was like abandoned row houses. And exactly. everybody, everybody was like, can you imagine that this is a city in the United States of America? And it's like, yeah, because like, I don't live in Camden. I, I shouldn't be telling people where I live at. But, like, you know, I live in an urban city that's majority black in New Jersey as well. And there's whole blocks in whole areas of the city where. Is just abandoned, ran down houses. And like a lot yeah. of people don't understand how bad it can get or how bad it really is in America. And I believe those people don't ride through the hoods. They don't live in the hoods. They don't ride through the hoods. 
they don't sightsee unless they come in a gentrify. You know what I mean? If they look oh, remember, they built the freeway so they didn't have they to come say, through put, the put this exactly. hood, but they don't live there. And he built the freeway so they didn't have to come through the hoods. So they don't have to mm-hmm. see the devastation. They get to drive through it on the overpass. But here's the craziest part of it all. Like, everything that you believe is American, all of that was built off of our labor. Yep. And we, and we don't get the benefit from it. That is like, facts right there. So, like, like we we literally earn the right to be privileged and we're being denied that right. People think the things that people fetishize about us and romanticize about us is the privilege when in reality, a lot of that is based off of survival techniques and methods and mechanisms. We came to at least attempt to like to be normalized in the society. Whether you talk about our music, our culture, the way we dance, the way we talk, people look at that as if, because you know, like it, you notice this with a lot of Eurocentric leftists, they always want the the the, the right to say the n word or to have the they fight for the, that cut the coming to the cookout yeah. privilege or whatever the fuck that shit called nowadays. Because I know, like, we always change our, like, you know, our rhetoric around that. But you notice, like, the Eurocentric leftists always want to be like, yeah, I'm going to come to the cookout. And the moment you tell them, no, this is something only for Black Americans or X, Y, and Z, they look at you like flabbergasted. Like, how dare you tell me no? And it's like, it's kind (laughs) of wrapped in this, like, sense of entitlement as well. Because it's like, like, how dare you deny me? And then, to me, it's it's a strange interaction because... You see how they try to claim that we are privileged, but there's no real way of signifying that we're privileged. Then they try to say, well, we played a race card, but it's like every by that same metric, everyone else played a race card too. It's just that though they these are people who are more so assimilating into whiteness than you know truly standing with like black people and having solidarity with black Americans specifically. So to me, it, it just it's we it's a weird dynamic to see every day. But I gotta start like document more this so i can like accurately show you what the hell i mean i told about. i told the um people uh that try to act as if the race card like this real race card thing i say y'all can speak uh y'all can try to imitate black americans speaking aee but let's be real are you going to get denied a job for speaking aee and plus if you even go to interview you're not going to speak like that you're going to go to that job you're not going to speak like that at all but like black folks they speak like that naturally in America. Like Black Americans speak like that naturally. And what happens? They go to the job and the and the person that's interviewed them, it's a white person. And they'd be like, and the black, and they'd be in the whole black community too. They couldn't even be predominantly black. And there'd be a white person interviewing them and that owns the business in that community. And then like that white person be like, Well, we'll talk, we'll call you back later, but they're never gonna call you back because they looked at you like, oh, this person's uncivilized. They spoke, they spoke like that. I'm like, because well, you know, for me, when I was going like to a mock interview, uh, at this place, like they said, "Oh, you're not supposed to say that." That's slang. I'm like, "That's slang." I'm like, yeah, I was like, "What you mean?" Like that, that's just the way I speak, though. And like I was like, but that to them was like, "Oh, but that can hurt you getting a job." And I'm like, "What?" There's a whole video where this black man talks about in the education system how they mm-hmm. commit ethnocide on our kids because we they make them change like their whole culture. Like Ave is how we speak; it's part of our culture, and they make us change our culture to fit into theirs. Yep. By how we have to change the way we speak. Like I speak differently than the way that I grew up because I grew up in around a bunch of white kids. But then when I 
got to Miami and was fully surrounded by my people at all times, that's like my people. I, if I wanted to, I could switch back, but it's uncomfortable. And why do I have to? Because it feels weird now. It feels like I'm doing something that's not me because I am who I am. So it's, yeah, they got to figure that out. I mean, but if, if we're going to talk about that, this could go down a whole rabbit hole because it's not even just our language. It's our hair. It's, you know, everything. the way it's, it's everything. everything. Let's go. Let's go. Because this is stuff that is not happening to other groups. This is why we are not BIPOC or POC. Let's ride it. So I want to pull this another way. Give me a second. I want this truck to go by. Because mm -hmm. I'm going to dig a little bit. And I'm going to get into this. And this is not about, I'm, and I'm a, so then you Eurocentric leftists like to pit us against poor immigrants from third world countries oh. who still live in third world countries or who come here in these countries from these countries. And you say, well, you should, you should feel sorry for them because of the conditions in their country. And we say the conditions in our country, but you live in the richest country in the world. I, listen, if y'all, for those of y'all who live in these places, I need y'all to start sending us videos because we don't be embarrassed. This is not your fault. This is the government's fault. And we're going to have to shame white people and the government and people of color into understanding our plight because they shove all of their stuff in our face. Let's get back to it. Let's 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 let them see what that it same is. energy. This is ridiculous. Mm. Like it is absolutely ridiculous. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like I am anti-imperialist as a black American who descends from chattel slavery. I don't think that we should be bombing or assaulting other poor brown people in other countries. What can I do about it with no money and no power? I can't get Why them you killing me in my country. I'm not the majority of this country. But you're not fighting for me in my own country while you're telling me that somebody else in a different country means more make that make sense to me you gotta stop what you're doing you gotta stop you can't your reparations you gotta now focus on this person that is in maybe like in south america that's going through this and be like now you gotta put your energy to that i'm like but how can they when they're dying like people did that last year and it was like you gotta talk about what's happening in africa and i'm like hold up man many people are burnt the hell out from the protests from all this stuff on twitter from um aubrey Breonna taylor like all this stuff is happening and, and now y'all want people to just to focus on this. Like, people are stressed, depressed. There's a pandemic. People lost jobs. We don't got health care. Like, man, it's too much. And y'all acting as if people don't go through anything over here. Everyone just got on suits and they got a smoke pipe and they're sitting in their chair in this fancy house. And they're like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, what's next on our diabolical plan? Like, well, you didn't no, know we all got goes. iPhones. We're privileged out here because of iPhones. <laughs> they be saying yes, because you can get a $25 a month payment plan and a $25 a month plan so since for $50 a month you can have a communication device in a country that if you can't get emails if you can't have a phone number you cannot have a job that's there we go. or there a life better yeah i've been saying that i've been telling people that i'm like bro y'all need y'all need computer they need a lot of things to get a job nowadays like we're not back in the 1950s when you can just do other ways, other ways to get a job. Not you need a literal phone now. You need a literal email. You need all these things to get a job now. I mean, that's, like that's, that's, not the case. That's, that's going for even like the McDonald's job. Like yep. you're not mm -hmm. going, yeah, like you can't even get like a you can't even walk into a place where they're paying you minimum wage and be like, look, can you just hire me off of 
the strength that I'm showing up here and I want to work. <laughs> like that is not happening anywhere in America. In Los but, Angeles, you kind of say you speak Spanish? <laughs> yep. Like this is where the whole intersectionality and this whole conversation falls apart for me, right? So we're we're being told by like the leftists that we have to concern ourselves with what's happening in third world countries because our quality of life is is greater. And then what is told to us is that, you know, people who are coming from those countries and immigrating to America, they're still like, they're still considered somehow in a, a worse situation than us based off of the conditions in that third world country. But we got to analyze who, who is able to, to immigrate from these third world countries. A lot of time it's the upper class of those, of those countries. In some, in some cases, it's like literally the people that are oppressing the other people in those yep. countries who are able to I was about to say, like, Cindy Darity talks is, about mm -hmm. it from here, the equality. You know that I mean? you know a lot of I mean, people like... who move here is just moving, like, literally adjacent to the positions that they were in in their home countries. So it ain't oh, like you getting, like, the, the, the low-class motherfuckers from over there. Like, we're getting, like, the cream of the crop over this motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's this weird thing where like this, they just because they are black and the they like people have in their minds that they come from poverty. The intersectionality math, the intersectional math, is, is done to where they are considered in greater need than black Americans who have been here for centuries and have been you know have been disenfranchised directly by the American government, like. Mm -hmm. And no one, like, we're not allowed to, like, really get dig into that conversation with leftists. Do you know what it is, though? Like, a lot of that deals with, like, it's a Eurocentric thought that, like, that is, like, very, like, 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 it's very Relevant. pervasive on the, yeah, like, on the left, where you see people who take up intersectionality, but they try to play as if, like, the way identity, like, to me, it's all conflation, right? Like, they try to conflate us in ways that is not representative of how things work. Because it's like you said, like, people are trying to conflate Black American oppression with everyone else. And CRT talks about this, about the Black-white dynamic and how that affects other groups and other identities, politics. And in many cases, you see people who try to sit there and be like, well, you know, um, Black Americans, y'all privileged. But it's like, how? Like, we're literally at the bottom. We're literally... The most oppressed group in this country you know what i mean like i will fight one and die on the hill like we work together with everyone we cooperate with everyone we advocate for a little bit of everyone you see a negro everywhere fighting for our issues and their issues but you don't see that uh like towards us on that end and anybody who advocates for that is seen as controversial or anti or xenophobic Divisive. and they're immediately they're immediately labeled that way by the same you know neoliberal left that the left like to criticize. To me, that's why I call them the Eurocentric left because to me, it's, it's, it's the neoliberal left, but now they're evolving more leftist tendencies. They're more, they're adopting more radical methodologies, but they still maintain they don't really that understand same the kind though. of- And that's the funny yeah. part. That's why like, you see like, now there's all these people who claim to be, you know, into intersectionality, but they'd be quick to be like, oh, a black man is like got power or some standing over a white woman. And it's like, no, that's fucking impossible. Or like you see people who act like, you know, like black Americans are above people who are immigrating to this country. And that's not true. Like you see, as you said, like the people who a lot of people immigrate here based off of 
their class position alone or the profession in many cases, because that plays a factor too, based on how Americans select them, you know, they tend to be more advantaged. And even if they are refugees, you see America maneuver through policy and other, you know, advocacy groups and, you know, lobbying, you know, that give these people money and resources, something that Black Americans can't even ask or demand for. Otherwise, well, we're licking the boot of the system and we're fighting for scraps, but we're literally, we're out here homeless and poor and straggly. And it's awkward too, because we even get some of our own who claims to be radical part of black radical tradition or radical leftists who do the same fucking thing as well and like it's very dismissive and get like it, it involves a lot of gaslighting and like anti-blackness to be like to keep it real frank and to me like i dismiss people like that all the time because to me it's like like you're here to literally gatekeep what discussions is we held and that's why like to a lot of extent, I do believe in working together with others, but to a lot of stuff, I don't really, I'm not, I don't really think things should be team oriented because I feel like a lot of people, even in our own spaces, black people are not confident in saying like, well, with the exception of y'all, you know, y'all, y'all keep it real. But like, there's a lot of people outside of here who are not confident in themselves to say, well, this is based on black Americans and black Americans are at the bottom and black Americans are not privileged. And Cause there's, even when it comes down to English, like you get a lot of people say, well, anyone who fights to defend English is, you know, is falling into white supremacy or some shit like that. And it's like, so are you going to dismiss Tut and AAVE and Patois? Like, it's not it's english at its root because of the fucking colonizers but we made it functionally our own fucking form of english so we just supposed to scrap that and start speaking yoruba or some shit or haza you know like are we supposed to speak some other like fucking group of people language just because like like we're trying to adopt a more afrocentric feature or maybe should we reconcile with the reality is that like we evolved and changed things and we can recognize where it comes from and what it is. Cause like every other week, I always see these weird conversations from like different spaces of leftist groups who get identity wrong and how the hierarchy of identity is set up due to white supremacy and the whiteness within mind. You know what I mean? Like, and it, it's another weird thing where you hear people who always say, well, the Western leftists, the Western leftists, and like even then it sounds like it's like a dog whistle to say like black american analysis because it's weird how fast people are quick to attack black american analysis while still co-opting or it being influenced by that same thought or by them saying like you know like to me it's just it's weird it's a weird dynamic and you see like that shit kicking the left ass as far as where we stand because you get people who would defend critical race theory but say intersectionality is neoliberal garbage but it's like or do you do you ask them what's intersectionality they don't fucking know what the fuck it is and it's like <laughs> like to me like i, I don't want to offend nobody but like as a queer person to me as a queer black person like to me politics is like sexuality like you can identify as where the fuck you want to identify as but what you really that do as far as practice right now i'm a communist yeah. but then like i'm like it, what's, what's communism sir and you'd be like what do you mean like communism is like um it's, it's this what it does and i'm like what, what, what is that mm-hmm. though and then be like to me, um, like people identify as whatever fuck they want but objectively there's something different so there's this phenomenon use this as a good metaphor the driving home there's this phenomenon we have in our community which is called the trade in dl i'm pretty sure we're all somewhat familiar with these concepts of the you know the straight msm man who you know is like you know functionally straight as far as identity concerns but we all know he's messing with the same gender whatever the case may be, right? Like, to me, it's the same thing in politics. Like, 
everyone is claiming to be this far leftist, where the case may be. But when you look at their practice and what they're advocating for, what they stand for, they like they do not always hit the mark of what their identity is in many aspects. And to me, I feel like a lot of people don't do a thorough analysis and investigation of why they're identifying as this. Why is their identity like this? Because I think some we were talking to this in re- respect to the letter jacket, you know, wearing the letter jacket, like, yeah, you know, I'm a part of this group. I'm a part of this clan. That's the new leather jacket. That's what MG called it. Go ahead. You preach. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it's like, it's like people are literally just, like, saying these terms and these phrases without... Like, because even when you, like, ask people to reference books and stuff, like, that's why, like, to me, I tend to, like, take screenshots of books and post them online and whatnot. Because to me, if I'm talking shit about something, usually there's a book passage or something I can reference. Like, in less than two seconds or maybe a day, I can easily pull up a book or something that I'm using or basing or referencing this off of. And I maybe develop with my own perspective or to acclimate to my own analysis and thought. But otherwise, I usually can be like, oh, yeah, I read this from here and read that from there. Because to me, like, a lot of people on the left don't do that. And you see this with this, like, very I'm against read. Oh, my God. I could go into a pit hole about the anti-reading for reading. It does. It really does. And, like, all this do ties because a lot of those groups all sit next to each other. Like, the same people who have a Eurocentric understanding of intersectionality, CRT, or even Black American politics also be sitting right next to the same motherfuckers who are, like, anti, like, alt-right, anti-SJWers who are now reformed and you know, sanctified. They, and, but they always want to make themselves the, like they're like educated professors and scholars, which is really funny at the same time. It's ironic. I mean, well, when you think about it, technically speaking, through their body, through the work that they're doing on social media, it kind of, that's their way of self-justifying itself. It's like this weird, is this philosophy, you know, kind of like, you know, I forgot, it's like a philosophy thought experiment that like you have to just like is of self-justification. What justifies them is them doing their work online. But to me, I feel like they're not justified because y'all don't reference nobody who did it before you. You don't go into the history of people who even touch on those subjects. So this is why we end up in this weird air argument of like, well, you know, like black Americans, because it's weird how black Americans are xenophobic, we're homophobic, we're all of the we're all the ills, but nobody investigates how this shit comes from white supremacy or you see people talk about how this originates from white supremacy and no one does throw analysis on why things are the way they are why things is the way it is but even if you're talking about like like it, it's it's a variety of like things that like black americans get labeled and hit with and there's a lot of leftists they don't even understand any this. politics to me it, it it shows how like the like like to me that's why i keep saying name names that like to me it's best that like we like start like documenting these motherfuckers and who the fuck is gonna stop calling me anyway it's best that we start documenting these people and start like openly putting these people in our own categories to like you know be reflective of our own analysis so when we see certain perspectives we know who it is we know who they come in and we don't get caught up on the language because i realize that's another big arguing point for a lot of black americans and other groups is that they don't speak our language. They don't understand our language. Definitely when it comes to Eurocentric leftists, it's always a semantic argument about who, what, when, where, and how. And at the end of the day, we understand what they're saying, but then they try to shift the definition or move the goalposts to another definition. And like you see it time and time again, no matter the argument. 
I want to know who these groups are, right? So when I'll be hearing, like, I'll be hearing people with bad intersectionalist takes, and typically, to me, a lot of these people come off as, like, Eurocentric people or Black people who are really caught oh, up in Eurocentric thought. And, he, it, and he's not excluding you POCs when he says Eurocentric left. He, mm-hmm, yeah, like, that word was designed with you in mind. Like we're we're like a, we're like a, a, the we're like a, a cartoonish corporation. We just the design with you in mind, motherfucker. Like like the Eurocentric left to me is like the people who are muddling muddying this thought. Even when it comes down to the Black Panthers, because we live in this world now where you get like sock dems and like ca- communists and Maoists and anarchists who will like praise the Black Panthers, but will be against the reparations. And they'll be like, well, do you not know what the fuck the Black Panthers was for? Like that was like a big thing for them along with self-defense and, you know, like feeding and feeding communities and, you know, learning survival skills. Like that was a big thing amongst them, like advocating for the people that they read into as far as reading theory and reading books, because, you know, that's another thing about the Black Panthers that everyone will obviously, I think we need to bring up is that like before anyone became a, a genuine Panther, you had to read some books. Like there was some homework involved. Like there was no, you, we, we give you the, we give you the pea shooter and now you fucking Metroid Prime running around fully charged up with armor. Like, no boy, you got to go through the steps and, you know, get your little skills back again. You know what I mean? And, I feel like a lot of people on the left, like they're just hopping into this. Like to me, I think it's a combination of internet. Like since internet culture is still the relevant thing, it's a combination of that and people who are like stumbling to find their way. So it's creating this weird air where like, I think it, the influencer culture and the political advocacy space is kind of colliding. And this is why you see the fallouts with like the Black Lives Matter and the D-Ray and Taco Max, where the fucking Sean King and all of them, like you see how they became kind of celebrities through the activist space and like these influencers, but they largely are stealing and getting the bag off of black oppression. And I think a lot of other people are following that Al Sharpton model, like, because I remember Al Sharpton always been the butt of the jokes of people who do that. But to me, I feel like Al Sharpton and other like leftists and, you know, people in political space who like is always seen, but never really does nothing for black Americans as far as true advocacy, or they always play as if they don't know what they're talking about, or they muddy the conversation about these, like around these topics is like a big, like is a real pervasive problem with like what, what leftism, you know what I mean? To me, it's like, this is why I call it the Eurocentric left because it had to capture all of these motherfucking perspectives from the Boschites to the weird black internationalist pan-Africanist that's oddly against reparations, but for reparations everywhere else, but they don't operate or work with an organization that advocates for reparations from what I can see and tell. Then you got this, like, the neoliberal leftists, the centrists and alt-right that's disguised as leftists, like no one notices the fucking twirling mustaches they have on every other week. Then you got, like, Oh my God, it's so much going on at once. Because now, like the communist space, I try not to talk about the black communist space, but they have problems of their own. And a lot of that tends to be like, oh my God, it's just, it's a lot. That's why it's I weird. feel like yeah, it's weird how they all interact and how they all kind of collaborate with one another. So, like, this is why we live in a world where you see, like, fucking Kate Swiftly. I don't know the details of what happened behind the scenes, but from my perspective, this is how we end up in a world where Kate Swiftly, who is somebody who's on RZ NWA platform, talking about pro-blackness and all that whatnot, also ends up working with fucking, what's his name? Um, Mikey PA. 
Mike from PA, who's a hardcore sock them, and then he, you know, kind of talked shit about her platform about you know what black advocacy is and isn't exactly and this is how you get this kind of space because a lot of this is driven by influencer culture and like to me it's that comes with like the undergirding of capitalism so to me a lot of these people are even when you talk about like how we try to reach out to the quote-unquote black left and how the black left we end up like in tatters with the most of them and then like i'm not trying to I shouldn't name names because of the severity of what was being said, but we end up in conversations where we're talking about organizing and trying to bring us together as Black content, political consecrators to help have the space for all of us as Black people as far as creating content and being respected by these companies, whether it's a protest, a union, or even just organizing us and educating us on the ins and outs of this fucking legal process dealing with content creating, because that's a, another thing we don't talk about that much. But like to me, it's weird that... like. We try to bring motherfuckers together and motherfuckers hopping in voice chats like, yeah, shoot all white leftists. And it's like, wait a minute, what? Like, what are you talking about? Because even when I talk to everyday Negroes and Negroes be like, yeah, we need to get guns and arm up. And I'm like, um, like, do you got tanks? Do you got a force fields? Do you got like an EMP generator or something that can well, short out technology? No. Well, what are you talking about? Like, okay, I under now. If you want to tickle my fucking, if you want to tickle my fancy, you should come to me with some like super super anime fucking squad force team that's gonna grow up through generations. Like Naruto, you might tickle my fancy. I might entertain you, but if you ain't talking about that, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. Because like at the end of the day, like. A lot of people, like, even with our argument with Necromancer, like, motherfuckers would be like, oh, yeah, you know, who he identifies New African, which is weird because New African people, you know, through the, the labor group and what the lawyer group, they push for it, like, you know, HR 40. Why are some like, of them Necro- part of uh, the Black Liberation Army? Who? The Republic of New African, like, RNF? Yeah, I think. I think a lot of them came from like Malcolm X advocacy groups because I think Malcolm X had a group before the in our like it's a combination of different groups. I haven't looked too deep into Necroba, but to me it's weird that Necromancer identifies as New African, which is a signifier of Necroba, but he don't speak on HR 40. He disagrees with reparations. He feel like reparations, reparations need to with happen the destruction for America. And I'm like, yeah, and it's like, well, how like how are we no gonna sense. get the destruction of America being like an utterly poor group with no foreign backing with no foreign support nobody's recognizing us destroying even America as sovereign citizens of our own like, unquote, nation or whatever like to me Wait, a lot what? of that deals with a lot of bureaucratic like to me a lot of that requires a lot of bureaucratic documentation that we ain't got time for and it's like like to me i'll be asking people like well like what if, what about all the black americans who don't want to fight is there a place that they can go and seek refuge if they don't want to end up in our quote-unquote war for liberation not to say i'm not here for liberation and fight but a lot of people be like putting the cart before the horse. Like, can we worry about making sure like enough of us is safe and eating and living proper lives and is in clear thinking space because the sugar and the salt in our foods is fucking us up. You know, our, our fucking parts, uh, our parks don't got the necessary equipment for I us guess, to like. You're basically saying y'all really need to think this out. All right. I think this pull, through. You know what I mean? You think all, it, but I want us to pull pull back in. <laughs> pull back in. Well, come on, I got something to say though. Got the hand up. For a minute. <laughs> no, I think he's good, right? Is there anybody? No, I'm cool. I, I, I oh, okay, okay. I'm like, I was just saying, Bantu, you can't say all the things at once. I, I'm, okay. I'm with you. I'm with your energy. Got no material. I'm in favor for it, but it's like, can we at least think this through? Like, can we at least, you know what I mean? Like, 
Like, I know you want to have the action AAA movie. You know, you want to have the fucking James Bond fucking Black Nationalist film project. But can we get the film? Like, can we get this on camera first? You know, that's, something. That's how I be feeling about <laughs> the general strike. Because I'm just like, I'm, I'm for a general strike, but we need mutual aid set up. Like, who's going to make sure these people are fed and housed if this shit pops off and this shit goes on for a good amount of time? What's up with what said? Like, it's all symbolism. Like, I feel like they love to feel like activists, make themselves feel good. And they're not really thinking about the like the goal or they don't have no agenda. Because I'll be asking, I'll be looking at my friend, like, what exactly is their plan? What do they want to do? What is next? They don't have nothing. And and you're going to have to forgive me, Scorpio, because I shouldn't have brought it up. I want us to get back on topic. Because <laughs> 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 uh, I know we can go on that shit for a minute. <laughs> Okay, but no, I love how you did the Eurocentric lesson, how you definitely let them know, like, this includes you people of color, too. Like, the Asian chick on fucking Jacobin yep. and stuff mm. like that. Like, Can you even include Minerva, Bontu? <laughs> With the, yeah. I love China. Oh, my God. That's what I'm saying, because, like, he's a, they he's really be on that. You know, he ever he's a, himself. Like, what? Oh, my God. And then <laughs> to make it worse, I forgot, what was this people called? What was the people in Nigeria that had held the Civil War for their own sovereignty, whatever the case may be. I forgot what his people was called, but like they was slant. Oh my God. It, it, it just, it's so like, much. You don't know nothing about African socialism. Like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And, so and, and that's, that's the part you get. You can't stand, man. I know about it. <laughs> and people don't know. It's so many like, in like when, like, cause to me, when I be talking about, I do criticize the, the everyday villains, which to me is like the Eurocentric, you know, white, you know, the typical white leftist and neoliberal leftists and all right motherfuckers. But to me, I feel like we not into the advanced like basics of like people who literally gatekeep and stand in the way of our literal progress, which in many cases can be our own people where you get this like Latino who's so comfortable in these leftist spaces speaking on black American plight that they feel like they can actually interrupt the black American complaint and be like, well, as a person of color, yes. I feel like, and you know, and you're like what? That, to be honest. I'm like, what you say, huh? sir? As a person, co- I'm like, it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Gotta bring that back. Like, hold up. Like, who who, who made you fucking king? Like, it just, I just be trying to figure it out. Like, who died and made you king? Like, I'm speaking to represent my own goddamn self, my own sovereign person. I'm speaking on my own issues of plights. Like, nobody didn't ask me to bring your fucking, you know, brown ass over here to speak on my fucking black ass issues. Like, <laughs> and vice versa, right? We should have yeah. this respect, right? Because people will ask us, well, what about the Native Americans? And I would like talk to the Native Americans. Hey, listen, some, listen, check listen, out listen, land no, back. Listen, check listen. Out- too, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta let other people get in. <laughs> my bad, my bad, y'all. No, but I'd be like, listen, Kim Tallbear on Twitter said Native Americans don't want reparations. They have their own treaties. After that, y'all got to go talk to some Native Americans. That's all I know, because that's what a woman who's in a tribe, who's official, said. That's it. That's all I got for you. Now, when you start right. asking me a bunch of questions about their stuff, I don't know their shit, and I'm not going to speak for them, because if they walk in a room and start speaking for me and my people, we're going to have a fucking problem. So I think everybody should respect each other. I don't walk in rooms talking about Asian issues. I don't walk in rooms talking about Latino issues since I'm not a part of their community. Even though I have friends in the community, that does not make me part of the community. And I even grew up in the community. My dad's second wife was Mexican. It still does not make me a part of the community because I've been removed from the community for over 20 years. 
So how should we think about the structuration of race? What kind of sociometric analysis could we pursue? These are the questions that animate my current book project, Asian Americans in an Anti-Black World. I'm going to try to take just a little slice of the book to present to you uh, before we move on with affirmative action. Okay, so I, my departure point is Lewis Gordon's discussion of the two principles shaping the U.S. racial order. Be white, but above all, don't be black. White is best, but the most important thing is not blackness. Blackness, Gordon writes, is the point from which the greatest distance must be forged. So building upon Gordon, we can say the racial order is structured first and foremost by anti-blackness, the abjection of blackness, and secondarily by white supremacy, the valorization of whiteness. Asian Americans, I argue in my book, are positioned at that tense conjuncture between anti-blackness and white supremacy, where the elevating force of being not black meets the downward force of being not white. Despite significant and persistent inequalities among Asian American groups, even the worst off among them have something, in James Baldwin's words, something to lose, namely their not-blackness in an anti-black society. So let me make this a little more concrete by discussing the original Asiatic in the American imagination, the Chinese immigrant laborer in the 1800s. Yes, everything always goes back to the Chinese immigrant labor, everything in Asian American studies anyhow where we can see how not-blackness was constitutive of the very concept of the Asiatic from the start. Everybody likes to think of it like, oh, it's, you know, it's, if you're non-white, you go through a certain level of oppression and all of that oppression is the same. But she's basically saying like, no, like if you're not white, the next thing is not being black, just the way James Baldwin said. I 100% agree. It's like, um, if people could apply their class analysis to race, everything would work out a lot better. And as right. I was going to say something about Adolf Reed, because like he's just the Thomas Sowell of the left. Mm-hmm. Like all the uh, conservatives, they'll break out. Have you read Thomas Sowell? I mean, I, I know I understand you think you're being oppressed. I understand that. But have you read Thomas Sowell? <laughs> and it's the same thing with Adolf Reed. It's like, I understand you think race is the thing. I understand that you think all the systemic racism is a thing, but um, Adolf Reed. She's going to get more into the Asian breakdown, but I think we should switch over to like the, is it, like I think I have like where she talks about people of color blindness. And then we can kind of close out from there. Writing in 2010 uh, in an article entitled People of Color Blindness, Jared Sexton discusses a phenomenon he calls people of color blindness which he defines as a form of colorblindness inherent to the concept of people of color to the precise extent that it misunderstands the specificity of anti-blackness and presumes or insists upon the monolithic character of victimization under white supremacy. In a negrophobic society, Sexton argues, the fundamental divide is not between whites and non-whites, but rather between blacks and non-blacks or between those whose abjection provides a foundation for the social order and those whose coherence and well-being are grounded upon that abjection. People of color, third world peoples, minorities, these are concepts that suggest equivalencies under white supremacy and to this extent obscure the way in which anti-blackness divides and differentiates non-whites. So how should we think about the structuration of race? What kind of sociometric analysis could we pursue? 
do we have anything there? Do we want to keep rolling? Or because I know we're already like two hours in, so I think we should kind of close up here and maybe we could <clears throat> get back, tap back into this another day. I have nothing to further add on that. Like people color blindness, as it says, I think it's a perfect term. If you ask me, it's a good word that specifies what we're talking about, like what Eurocentric leftists. Like to me, people color blind color blindness is a good way of addressing like the way people try to conflate us. Cause usually I call it class reductionism, but to call it people of color 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 blindness might be a better way to address the specificity like, the, of like people of color in the conversation that they use. Mm-hmm. So like no one could say, well, the white Latino, you know, is a Latino and he's oppressed. And it's like He's a white Latino who owned slaves and was kicked out and moved and migrated to Florida due to the way Cuba treated him. Like, he's not equivalent to, like, no Afro-Latina and definitely not equivalent to no Black American who's been here constantly oppressed, who he's residing over. Um, so I'll, I'll land by saying people of color. Um, people of color don't actually have any collective problems outside of our issues with whiteness. And we all have different relationships with that. So when it comes to solutions, um, people of color solutions don't work, especially for black people. Like um, there was a first time home buyers program that they did in Detroit here recently, right? And um, it was originally, the plan was for it to be equity for the, all the black people who got screwed over there. And throughout the plan, they were talking about the history of black people, how we weren't allowed to purchase homes and then we were, and then we had, and we got redlined into the ghetto, right? So we're finally trying to do something about that. And the program turns out to be for people of color. Mm. Now, I don't have a problem with people of color obtaining housing in America. I really don't. But this is supposed to be a solution for black people. It, it, it didn't help. It's not going to change anything because it, everyone can access it. This includes marginalized whites as well. So why do you use my plight if you're just going to give it to everybody? That's like what the study was saying, right? Like stop framing things that aren't, that are, stop framing universal policies as race policy. Like mm -hmm. we would like y'all to stop doing that as well as black people. Like, you know, don't use, you know, this black people went through this, black people went through that, black people went through this. And then when you fix it, you fix it through people of color. And then when it's time, and then when black people aren't fixed, white people say, but we did this for black people. They don't say yep. it about the other groups because you don't point out the other groups. You point us out. This all has something to do with the weird racial coding language in, in, in American English. Like America has some weird obsession with politeness and it goes back to slavery. I just don't fully understand it. There's a book I'm reading and once I got it, I'm going to have a whole lot more to say on the topic, but between that and just the general dog whistling of, well, if I say people of color, then I don't actually have to address black people. There's some very nefarious things afoot. Yeah, um, I'll give my final thoughts. Uh, don't call me a person of color. Don't try to give me no policy for people of color. I'm not interested. Um, I, I see the games being played here. We all see the games that are being played here. Um, and enough is enough. Um, I called into the California Commission um, on Reparations today.
because they were having a debate yesterday about who would be eligible for reparations. And it, it boggled my mind to hear like what was being said in that debate because um, when we think about reparations in this country, it went to specific groups. It was no vague, like we're doing it for all these different groups of people. They got very specific. Chinese Americans have faced discrimination in this country. Other Asian American groups have faced discrimination in this country. But when it came to reparations for the Japanese who were interned, it was just for the Japanese who were interned. Um, you know, when they did reparations for the Native American tribes, each Native American tribe that got reparations had their own specific claim. It wasn't some, you know, big group that was created where they did reparations. So, I, you know, we understand like what the trick is now and it's not gonna work any longer. And this is not to say that everyone was in on the trick because a lot of us were fooled for a long time. But if you weren't a part of this, this political game, wake up and see what we're seeing and side with us. Make sure that we get something specific for us so that we can see that we're truly in an alliance together where we're working together to help each other achieve certain things from our government. And I'll leave it there. You know what, Mud? Like, I love how you, I love what you had to say. I don't really have a lot, a lot to say about the people of color stuff because I feel like I have been told I go in on the people of colors. I feel like I've said a lot of how I feel. So at this point, like, let's just disaggregate all data. Disaggregate all data, pay descendants of American chattel slavery reparations. <coughs> Sorry. Mm. Oh, and I wasn't even smoking that time. Mm. Yeah, paid descendants of chattel slavery reparations. And, you know, let's do some class shit to help everybody else who's getting screwed over, which we would actually see those other groups like the Vietnamese and those other, you know, poor groups. We would actually be able to see what they need and target them. But right now, y'all lump in rich, rich Asian, rich, not just Asians, it's not just Asians. Y'all are rich, lumping in rich, non-whites with poor non-whites and saying they all have the same issues. That's a problem. So we'll take our, we'll take our check and y'all quit trying to throw people in our check. And as for other groups, if you wanna come and let us know what your issues are and you wanna fight with us for what we want, we can talk about building the coalition. But until then, I don't wanna hear nothing. And somebody asked me like, you know, you always have black and white people on the show. This country isn't just black and white. Asians and Latinos are gaining power, whatever. Whatever, listen, not a single non-white person, non-ADOS person has asked to be on this show outside of Scorpio who is an accomplice and he black. So no non-black or non- <laughs> white people have asked to be on this show and I've asked non-white and non-black people to be on this show so don't come at me come at y'all people like if you want to be represented you need to present yourself like I shouldn't have to go and seek you out and find you know people but Sam I thought you wanted to do the extra labor I thought you was now to do it for free you know you understand what I'm you saying you want to do like, all the extra labor you, I got you so much to do 
So it's I got to get online and find Latinos and Asians and people and, and Native Americans and we can go through every ethnicity period. I have to go and find those people who are for reparations who want to fight with me. They shouldn't just present themselves because they like what we're talking about. Maybe they just don't like what we're talking about. I don't know. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it's not like people have reached out and they've been denied. So that is out there now. So people know. So, all right, uh, Scorpio, you want to close this out? I mean, uh, Mud closed out like really greatly. Like, uh, I know, not right? people color but black. It's it's simple as that. It doesn't help us. Doesn't help. Doesn't uh do anything for black people, especially black Americans in this country. Um, you're not gonna go. You ain't gonna go to Africa and be like people of color. You ain't gonna see that happen. Everybody gonna be like, what you mean? I'm not people of color. I am insert ethnic tribe here. Like, you know, nobody, nobody's gonna fall for that trash. Listening to Reset Race, you now tuned in the Reset Race. Uh, uh. You're listening to Reset Race, you now tuned in the Reset Race. What? Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. Uh. You're listening to Reset Race. Adults need reparations to make America great. You're tuned in to Reset Race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to Reset Race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. You're tuned in to Reset Race. You'll find out we're really about justice and really who we On the edge, go back to U.S. Southern plantations. Vineyards, Jim Crow, and mass incarceration. Redlining lynchings, we are old from this nation. You're not about justice if you ain't for reparations. MG, the wise one, cousin mother intellectual. Samantha bringing fire, anti-black, we pressing you. No permanent friends and no permanent enemies. The backbone of the country, the way you need our energy. You gon' see, listening to Reset Race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, uh. You're listening to reset race. You now tuned in the reset race. Uh, put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Put them back on the grill again. We grilling them. Back on the grill again. We grilling them. Uh. You're listening to Reset Race. Adults need reparations to make America great. You're tuned in to Reset Race. We no longer starving while others eat off our plate. No. You're listening to Reset Race. We focused on our justice claim. We know what is at stake. You're tuned in to Reset Race. You'll find out we're really about justice and really who we fake. Until you do right by me, everything you think about is going to cry. What is it you wanted me to reconcile myself to? I was born here almost 60 years ago. I'm not going to live another 60 years. You always told me it takes time. It's taking my father's time, my mother's time, my uncle's time, my brother's and my sister's time, my nieces and my nephew's time. How much time do you want for your progress?